Reporting on the games you love by people who love to game. The MMO Reporter Network. This is the Guild of Dungeoneering on a quest we're never veering or to be a Dungeoneer. Swimming in pools of gold. Greetings, friends, and welcome to the very first episode of the Game Diplomat Podcast, a bite-sized show about great games you might have missed. I'm your host, Josh Augustine, and today I want to tell you about how I used math to kill a mermaid. But before I get to that, since this is the very first episode, I just want to kind of explain what you can expect. So, I'm Josh Augustine, I'm a game designer at Daybreak Games now, but I was a games writer and reviewer for years at PC Gamer before that. I love helping people find new games to try and have more fun in games they're already playing. So I make blogs, videos, podcasts, all that sort of stuff. Over on GameDipMat.com, what a plug! So I've been really trying to focus on smaller games lately, like indie games that are super good, that I think have kind of gone under the radar. Because it's just hard to keep track of all the little games that come out, right? They don't get the big marketing pushes, they don't get all that, but when you find them and you love them, those are the games I want to share. Because they're games that I think you could really like if you give them a chance. So I've been covering them on the site for a while, but I wanted to kind of take it to the next level and start a podcast to share them with people. So it's going to be a short show. I'm aiming for 15, maybe 20 minutes. And I'm not going to cover big AAA games here. You're not going to hear about Mass Effect or Hearthstone or anything like that. You've already heard of those games, right? And if you want to play them, you already are. And all the big sites and podcasts out there already cover them. So I want to help you find new small games that those other sites and podcasts forgot to tell you about. I'm only covering games I love, right? These aren't reviews either, so I play a bunch of games that I just don't talk about most of them because they aren't, they aren't great or they're just okay or maybe they have promise, so I'll check them out in the future and maybe if they're good enough, I'll talk about them then. But every time you see an episode about a show, it's because I love that show and I think you might love it too if it sounds like something that you'd be into. So anyways, let's get into the episode, right? So the game I want to tell you about today is called Guild of Dungeoneering. It's a wonderfully creative dungeon crawling game that uses like a unique mashup of cards, puzzles, deck building, role playing, strategy, tower defense. It's all thrown together, but I, I swear it works out well, right? It sounds kind of intimidating at first, but it's really clever because they just use the best parts of all those genres in different ways. So it's all tossed together, a charming little bundle. I think you'll like it. It's developed by Gab Gabrinus? I don't actually know how to pronounce it. It's a it's a word that means drunk on beer that I'd never heard of before, but Gabrinus. There you go. It's a team of five people in Dublin. Uh, is published by Versus Evil. It's released on Windows and Apple PCs in July of 2015. And by now, it actually has a pirate-themed expansion out that's super great. Adds new areas and lots of nice quality-of-life features. And it's in beta for mobile release uh, right now, too. So hopefully that'll be coming out soon. So it'll be on Android and iOS. So first, I want to just kind of explain how the game works, kind of walk you through the general game cycle and just what you'll be doing in the game, and then afterwards, I'll try and really sell you on it. But first, let's just talk about how it works, right? So the basic premise, it's a dungeon-crawling game, which is kind of like, you know, um, like a roguelike, or even kind of like Diablo, where you're exploring a dungeon and killing monsters and getting loot and gaining levels. Uh, but this has a twist, right? This one, you're building the dungeon around you as you go. It's turn-based. And uh, combat encounters that you run into are handled via a quick card game where you play, you use your little deck and you battle their deck and you fight it out. So when you start off the game, you're introduced. You've taken over a tiny little pathetic guild hall because you weren't invited to the big dungeon guild and it made you sad. So you're, I'm going to go out and make my own and blackjack and booze and drunk adventurers and gabrinous adventurers. So you recruit adventurers to your cause, and these are little dudes that join your club, and then you use them to go fight these dungeons, because you're not actually an entity in the world, you're managing everything. 
Um, and the goal is just to build up your guild over time, build up your adventurers over time into a mighty awesome team of super dudes and dudettes. Each adventurer that you get has a class. And really you're unlocking classes and you have one adventure of each class at any time. And a class is basically a passive ability, something like if you block all damage, uh, deal one damage back to them. That's the spiky trait. And then a set of core cards to build kind of the starter deck for that class. And so they have everything from barbarians, you know, the classic adventures, rangers, barbarians. Barbarians are out there, you know, using their card. One of their cards is called Howl, and it deals heavy damage to the enemy, but also hurts himself. So he's the berserker out in the field. And the rangers are all about attacking quickly. All their physical attacks go faster. If they were already faster, they deal more damage. So they're kind of pinging you from afar. But then it, <laughs> this is where the game gets good, right? Because if it's just traditional fantasy, yeah, okay, I'm kind of interested. But check this out. They go all the way. They've got mimes. That's one of the classes, right? And they're one of my favorite abilities of theirs, one of the cards that's in their deck, is Imaginary Box. And what it does is it blocks an incoming attack. So you just picture the mime building the, you know, the imaginary wall in front of him to block the attack. And then it boosts your next attack if it blocks something. And then there's Cardomancers, right? So this class is basically like a card game nerd stereotype with lots of card puns and tricks. They'll be really fun to people that have played a lot of card games over time. You know, the best is their passes. If they take too much damage at once, they start complaining about the rules. And then they get to draw another card because <laughs> this game isn't fair. And then, of course, the pirates, right? So let's just look at the three classes that came out with the pirate expansion. This will just give you a, a good idea of the balance. They have Swashbuckler. Okay, cool. Pretty standard pirate class. Got, you know, you expect, you know, Cutlass, maybe a pistol. That's cool. Got a drunken sailor who's all about, like, swinging out and hitting himself sometimes and accidentally dodging out of the way because he's just stumbling. And then they have the H2O-mancer, which is kind of what you expect, like a water-mancer, but it's just a really clever twist on it. So, alright, so you've got your adventures, you take them into dungeons to defeat quests. And each dungeon has one quest, you defeat it, the dungeon is gone, you've finished it, you move on to the next one. But in each one of those, you're adding on to your starting deck of cards with equipment. So as you go through the dungeon, your adventurers reset every time they start a new dungeon and start getting new loot inside the dungeon. So it's what do you get. And loot can add stats or passive effects or, and this is what's really cool, put new cards in your deck. So you can find a really cool weapon, right? And it adds really powerful cards to your deck. So that as you're playing, suddenly you can draw these really good ones. Or you can get stuff like a wooden stool, <laughs> for example, which is fun. It adds a simple attack card to your deck and a simple block card. But... It also adds a stupidity card, which is one of my favorite things in the game. It's just a blank card that just has a bunch of question marks on it. It does nothing. It's basically a wasted draw, so it's a downside. So there's really fun pros and cons, because sometimes you find a really good piece of armor, but it makes you dumb. And it's like, ooh, it gives me three health, which is huge, but do I really want to add a stupidity card? It might not hurt you, right? Because if you're drawing enough cards, maybe it's okay. You never have to play it. But it could also come up right when you're about to win, and it loses you the game. So there's just really fun ways to build your your uh, character each time you run through the dungeon, right? So that's just half of it, though. And that alone sounds kind of interesting to me. I play the game. Sounds cool. But what really gets me is you build the dungeon as you go. So you have a separate deck of cards, uh, and I think it's just auto-generated from the dungeon. You don't get to upgrade it or do anything. Uh, where you every turn, you get to play three cards. And the dungeon is basically a set of tiles, and when you start the dungeon, there's floating tiles out in space, essentially. So there's a bunch of gaps, but there's rooms with bosses, rooms with traps, rooms with treasure. 
and your dude starts somewhere. And then you build tiles. So you get a tile and you're like, ooh, this is a, a four-way crossing. Ooh, this is really good. I can put it right here and make sure I get to all these places. Or, oh, this one's a not a U-turn, but like a left-turn tile. So you have to put it there and figure out how you can get where you want to go. So every dungeon and every turn is almost like a little puzzle that you have to solve with the pieces. And the cool thing is, it's a lot about manipulating the adventurer because you don't directly control him, right? He chooses where he wants to go and little footprints on the map show you where he's thinking of going next turn based on what's on the board right then. And so if you see, oh God, he's running towards the huge boss. He's just going to get killed. This is not good. And you look at your tools, you're like, okay, I have a, a, a turn piece and I have, oh, I have a big pile of treasure. So I'm going to put a turn piece there and put a room filled with treasure and he's immediately like, ooh, is that something shiny over there? I think I'll run over there instead. And so a lot of it is looking at the dungeon scene like, okay, there are these small monsters around these corners. And I have some small monsters I can put down for him to fight early on too. And then the boss is over there. How do I build the dungeon in a way that he's going to take the route I want so that he's hitting the weak stuff first then builds up to the medium guy so he can get better loot and then doesn't get to the boss until he has everything he needs? It's really rewarding when you get it right, and <laughs> it makes you feel really smart, and it's just another way to kind of succeed at the game. And this is the sort of stuff where I was talking about where they they mash a lot of genres together, but it, it's not overwhelming because you're not playing an RPG, a strategy, and a card game all at the same time. You play them at different points during the game. And so there's lots of times like, maybe I'm really good at card games, but I'm not very good at strategy. It's okay, I can kind of make up for it. I may have my dude fight hard encounters on accident because I built the dungeon poorly and or didn't think it through. But if I'm good at card games, that's fine. I can, I can handle the hard encounters because I'm good at card games. But if I'm not good at card games, I can build the dungeon in a really good way that kind of soft steps through it, makes sure he's always fighting weak guys early and getting lots of treasure for my team. Uh, there's just a lot of fun ways to succeed. Alright, but here's the thing. You're not always going to succeed. <laughs> because in this game, you die. A lot. And it's okay. It's a part of the game. Because your Dungeoneering Guild repopulates the classes. I think you have to wait one round. So if, if I take my, my Mathemagician in and he dies, then for the next dungeon, I need to take another class. But then the Mathemagician will just pop back. And, well, actually, it'll be a different one, same class, all that sort of stuff, you know. But they did add a new feature where you actually gain battle scars. So if you're really good and you can make sure your math magician never dies, he'll get battle scars over time, which give him perks. But even if he doesn't, and most of the time I die a lot, <laughs> it's okay. Because you just start again, and all the upgrades you're doing are earning currency for your guild, and upgrading your guild, unlocking new rooms, earning new traits, upgrades for the classes, getting boons that help your, your guys in the dungeons every time. And so you don't really lose a whole lot when you die. And that's awesome. So it's a lot of going into the dungeon, trying it out, seeing how it works, trying tricks. And if you get bad luck on the loot that drops, that's okay. You'll get better luck next time. Just get to try again. No punishment. So upgrading your guild, like I kind of mentioned, that's the key goal. So that's how you're going to unlock new classes, get to new dungeons, get more powerful over time. And so that's kind of the core gameplay loop. You're taking dudes into dungeons, getting currency, beating encounters to unlock new areas, and then using kind of the global currency that you get to upgrade your dungeon and get more powerful over time. All right, let's talk about why you should play it next. This is going to be the second category of the show, and I'm going to try and convince you in three words. Deck building, replayable, and mathemagician. So I know I kind of teased this earlier, uh, but I've really got to tell you about this class because it's just so much fun. I, I think it kind of symbolizes just how quirky and fun this game is, right? So Mathemagician is one of the advanced classes. It's tier three. You don't get it till a lot later. But you actually have to do math if you want to be really good at it. So 
a lot of people are never going to unlock this class because they have no interest in doing <laughs> extra math when they're playing games. Uh, but for people that kind of want that extra challenge, it's really cool. So his passive ability is his attacks are boosted whenever his opponent has exactly double his health. So there's just this really cool thing where you can figure out, like, you can kind of see what cards they're going to play next in some encounters. And sometimes if you've played cards that let you see that, you can see, like, okay, he's going to do two to me. I'm at four. If I do exactly three, he'll have double. And then my next attack, boom, will just crush him. Okay, so I want to do that. <laughs> or you can just ignore it and do your thing. No big deal. But let's look at some of his other cards, right? So he has measured trajectory, which is, you know, measuring the angle of something flying through the air or something, if I remember physics class. Uh, what he does... Is, so he's in theory like measuring, okay, here's the attack coming in, boom, he blocks the incoming damage, then heals for the damage that was blocked, uh, which is fun. And then his other card, Explain Theorem. So, you know, he wouldn't be a math magician if he didn't want to tell you about these exciting discoveries in mathematics that he's discovered. Uh, it's, it's, it's a strong ability and funny, right? It deals damage to you, and if that damage is successful... It adds a stupidity card to your enemy's deck. So you go up and you're like, let me tell you about how I solved X equals Y. And then they're like, oh, I don't even understand. I'm so dumb. And so, like we mentioned earlier, stupidity cards are those blank cards that they could draw later and suddenly do nothing. Uh, so it can be really strong. All right. Let's talk about some other reasons why you should play this. Dungeon delving is just fun. Learning how to effectively build the dungeon around your adventure's objectives and especially what the quest is... It's really rewarding, and it's it's intuitive, because they only give, you get, like, I think five or six tiles by default each time. You can get gear that gives you more tiles, or upgrade your guild so you get more tiles to choose from. But you just look at it, and there's not a ton of options, right? But you have a few different room options, maybe one or two monsters, and maybe a treasure. And just figuring out what to do with those and making it efficient is just really fun and rewarding. It's just a new puzzle every time. And some of the boss encounters actually are really cool puzzles so one of the very first boss encounters spoilers if you care about it it's this giant boss and it's chasing you the dungeon is basically like a long corridor you're at one end the boss is at the other and then there's some other tiles floating out in space that have like fountains or shrines where you can potentially get buffs or debuffs and you have to like build the dungeon in front of you to keep moving forward as it's chasing behind you based on the tiles that you get. And so I'm frantically throwing down these tiles and throwing like the weak monsters in front of me so I can fight them and level up and get gear hopefully as I'm trying to run away from the boss. But the boss is catching up on me. It's moving way too fast. It's some giant dragon or something. It's moving like three tiles a turn and I'm moving one or two. And then I realize that if I threw a monster behind me, the the mon the boss will stop and kill the monster. He'll like get distracted and eat the monster and end its turn. And so then suddenly I'm like, oh, I got this. So now I can play three tiles a turn. So I need to place a tile in front of me, place a monster for me to fight or a treasure for me to loot, and then also throw a monster behind me and kind of balancing. Some turns you're like, ooh, I have so much treasure in my hand. I just need to throw it all down. It's okay. The boss will get a little closer, but I could deal with it, right? And so <laughs> just this panic. And sometimes you're just, oh, no, I don't have any tiles that fit the dungeon I've built, like, sometimes you build yourself into a spiral and you're in the middle. And just like, I'm hosed. And you just wait there, waiting for the boss to come. Please, please let me get lucky in the card fight. And there's just a lot of really fun encounters like that. Uh, I will say, though, there a couple of the boss fights use that same mechanic early on. But it, it, with the expansion and later ones, they try new things. But it did get a little repetitive at times. But I thought it was fun, so I, I didn't mind. And honestly, even if I ran the same dungeon over and over and over again, which did happen occasionally when I was really bad and couldn't figure out how to beat an encounter because I was just kind of being dumb about it. Because you just kind of keep trying it again until you can beat it. 
the tiles you get and the loot that drops and all that is randomized each time. So your deck is totally different every time. The monsters are totally different. The equipment you get, the tiles, the way you build the dungeon, the things you explore is totally different every time. So even when you're doing the, quote, same dungeon over and over again, uh, it's, it's different every time. It's really fun. All right, the art style is another reason you should try this game. I can't believe I haven't talked about this earlier in the show. We're already past 15 minutes. Oh, my word. All right, so it's almost like someone is drawing a D&D campaign on graph paper. The background is actually graph paper, and everything in the game looks like it's, like, cut out on pieces of paper and kind of hand-drawn and colored. But in a really cool way, it doesn't look cheap or kind of bad. It looks really crisp and cool, but as if, like a really good artist had drawn all this stuff out. And so it it works really well with the tile pieces because you're connecting in the dungeon and you look at it and it's just gorgeous. And you're like, man, this is what I wish I had been able to draw when I was in middle school, right? I was doodling stuff on papers in math class or whatever. And this is like the, the dream of what I wish I had been able to draw and look. It's just really unique. It's cool. All right, another reason. The game is stress-free. I, re- I originally tried this game when I was looking for something I could play while eating. Uh, There's no time limits, no reaction requirements. It can play entirely with the mouse. It's just, it's perfect for casual play. When my son comes up and pulls my arm, I can just stop playing immediately and come back later. It's fine. You're just waiting. It's turn-based. The card game, building the dungeon, everything. There's no time limits. It's just a really fun, uh, really fun, stress-free game. And, actually, they're testing mobile versions right now. I mentioned that earlier. I think it's going to be awesome on the phone. It's going to be perfect for just pick up and play, pause and stop whenever you have time. I think that's going to be a great platform for it. All right, a couple other reasons, just rapid fire near the end. has a really witty sense of humor, which you probably have gotten uh, from my examples so far. It just keeps me smiling the whole time. The classes are surprisingly deep. All the passives kind of spark ideas for different play styles and strategies. So trying the different classes and seeing how they work and the different tactics you can take with each of them is just really fun. And last reason, I mentioned you, you kind of die a lot, you lose a lot. But losing doesn't feel bad. There's no penalty like I kind of mentioned. So if you make a mistake, it's okay. Just try again. No big deal. No harm, no foul. You just get to play. It kind of That goes into the stress-free thing again. It's just a fun, peaceful game to play. All right, so hopefully I've sold you on the game. It sounds like a game you want to try or at least check out a video of, which you can conveniently do on my blog, GameDiplomat.com. On this show, um, I did a whole write-up, just some nice bullet points, kind of a shorter version of everything I've explained on here about the things that are great about the game. I put links to all the places you can buy the game, Steam, Godel Games, Humble Indie Bundle, Versus Evil site, uh, all that stuff. And a video of me playing through the game for an hour. So, and I kind of talk through and, and kind of go in depth and give a lot more examples of the things I'm talking about on here. So if you think it's something you might be inter- interested in, check out the video. And if you want to buy it, it's only 15 bucks. Or if you're listening to this soon after I record it, it's on sale for $7.50 during the Steam Summer Sale right now. So you can check that out. But if you don't want to buy it, you can get it right now for free. What? Because we're entering the quick community segment where you win stuff and I answer questions. Isn't this exciting? The very first episode, you don't know what to expect. You don't even know what segments exist. Spoilers, there's not much after this. So first up, we got a trivia question. There, It's a multiple choice. You got four options. You send me the answer. Um, I'll read out all the winners on the show that uh, gave the right answer, and one of the one random winner will get a copy of the game for free. I'm hoping to get a key from the publishers, but if not, I'll just buy it and send it to you. And everyone else that wins gets hugs. Congratulations. All right, so here's the trivia question for Guild of Dungeoneering. In Guild of Dungeoneering, which of these items do you think gives the most stupidity cards when equipped? So just a reminder, stupidity cards, when you equip this item, it means that this item makes you stupider and it hurts your deck. But it usually comes with good stats. So, 
Here are your four options. Troll femur, newspaper hat, male coif, or straight jacket. So pick the answer you think if you've already played the game or if you jump out and play the game uh, this week because of this episode. Uh, find the answer. Send it to me. Uh, I'll, I'll read out how you can contact me below and I'll pick a winner. All right. This is the next section of the show where I'd normally answer a question, but I don't have a question because this is the first episode, so I'm going to ask myself a question. Josh, who's your favorite pirate character? Since this game has a great pirate-themed expansion, Josh, I'm glad you asked that. My favorite pirate is Guybrush the Reaperwood, a mighty pirate from Monkey Island, of course. The greatest adventure game ever made, maybe the best game ever made. Uh, he's goofy, he's fun, he jokes a lot. He's just perfect for like a geeky kid to relate to. <laughs> he's a pirate trying to do the right thing with a heart of gold, but just not always very good at the pirating thing. So if you have questions for me, you can ask me anything about the games industry, the games I play, the games I don't play. Send it to me, and I'll answer it live on the show. And if you enjoyed the show, you can leave a review on iTunes, which is super helpful, especially early on. That's how iTunes chooses to show the podcast to other people looking for podcasts about games or indie games or anything like that. So if you leave a five-star review, I'll read that out on the show. Keep it quick, though. This is a quick show. Eh, I'm looking at you. Alright, if you really enjoy the show, you can donate at gamediffnet.com forward slash donate, or hey, just send me feedback, or even better, suggest a game you think we should cover on the show. You can leave a comment on the blog, gamediffnet.com, or contact me on Twitter directly, at jaugustine. And of course, that's where you can send your answers for the trivia question for this week, and hopefully win a copy of Guild of Dungeoneering. And if you want to talk with me more, or hey, the cool people that listen to the show, you can join our Slack channel. Slack is a nice chat group chat program. We just created a channel in there. We have four people in it. <laughs> We're talking about games. But if you joined, it could be five. And how exciting would that be? We're talking there all day, every day. Uh, there's a link in the About Us page on GameDiplomat.com. Check it out. It's also a link to our Steam group there, where we aren't talking or chatting in there, but... It's a nice way to see all the games that we've featured on the show. So every time we feature a game on the show, I'll make sure it's listed in the curator list of that, that group so that you can always see uh, the games we're talking about and find them really easily. All right, and even if you don't do any of that, if you don't want to answer stupid trivia questions, if you don't want to talk to me at all, thanks for spending your time with me today. I hope you found a new game to play, and we'll see you next time. Swimming in pools of gold This is the guild of Dungeoneering All the monsters keep appearing All to be a Dungeoneer Whose stories will be told What's that sound? I hear a noise Something's coming, girls and boys Run for the hills and far away For the guild of Dungeoneering Curse and swear but don't despair The way out of here must be over there I think we're lost but what do we care? We're the Guild of Dungeoneering <laughs>